following podcast contains language and scenes that may be upsetting to some listeners. Listening discretion is advised. Miss Holmes, a novella by John Noonan. Welcome to the third episode of the weekly podcast, Miss Holmes. If you haven't already listened to the first two episodes, and honestly, you really should. The story so far. John Watson's university friend, SH, has returned after a three-year disappearance. Reluctant to say where she's been, the two go out on Canal Street to celebrate her return. Now it's the morning after the night before, and questions must be answered. The next morning, I awoke in Mum's home, which I had inherited after her passing, unable to fully recall the events of the evening. However, the creased and red-eyed face that greeted me in the mirror was a helpful roadmap leading to the conclusion that there had been vodka. Lots of vodka. Remembering that SH had come home with me that night, I made my way downstairs to see how she had pulled up. A pillow on top of a folded blanket next to the couch in the living room showed evidence of her having tidied up, but otherwise there was no trace of her. For what felt like the 20th time in 24 hours, I found my anger vying for my attention. SH had made a break for it, clearly decided that she had fulfilled her duties and returned to her hole, wherever that was. And at that precise moment, my front door burst open and a whirlwind in a trench coat came flying into the living room. John, hands off cocks and on socks. That was from Kesha Fenove, yeah? Depressing book, that. That's why I never understand why people read fiction. If you're going to revel in misery, you may as well pick up a book about real life, yeah? Stop looking at me with that slack face. I've been up since 6, thought about waiting for you to get back, but realised I was unlikely to see you before 9am. And it's 8.59, so you win that one. Right, I've been to the shops, got you a Powerade, red flavour. Is that even a flavour? Now, I have a pack of cigarettes, and there's a cafe around the corner that looks like it could be good for someone to eat, provided it involves a combination of beans, sausage and egg. I'm going to go smoke three of these, and you're going to meet me outside. Chop chop, matey. Love what you've done with the place, by the way. Mary would like it. The whirlwind left, and like that, I realised SH was back in my life for good. We walked to the cafe in relative silence. The airplane engine that was my brain refused to allow coherent thought to get out, and so I stared at the concrete, allowing SH to guide me to the establishment. By the time we arrived and the smells of the fried breakfast failed to make me throw up, I found myself returning to good spirits. SH refused to have anything but a black coffee, claiming that her stomach was like a walnut. She had occasionally refrained from eating ever since high school. Mom had experienced concern that she was anorexic, but SH always insisted she just found it easy to think when digestion wasn't getting in the way. By the time her GCSEs were over, she'd lost 5 kilos, and mum said she would never let her do something so irresponsible again. True to her word, she made me take an extra pack lunch into school every day for SH. She'd have SH by the year if she was here. So how come you don't feel like you've been dragged through a shit factory backwards, I asked. SH took a sip of her coffee. I stopped drinking a long time ago. Much more interesting to watch you drink for both of us. Oh, thanks for that, I responded. So no drinking at all? Life of a beefy rep, mate. Throws you off extreme alcohol consumption. I've been thinking about writing a blog about it. We spent the next half hour reminiscing about our time at university and went back even further to how we became friends in the first place. SH was the first person I came out to when I was 15. To be more exact, she was the one who came out for me. Having never shared a conversation ever before, she approached me in the library and asked me what it was like to have affection for someone of the same gender. 
I remember being incredibly flustered, looking around to see if there were any prying ears ready to pounce on me at a moment's acceptance of SH's accusation. None came, and I realised that there was no malice behind her query. She saw something in me that I had never told anyone, as if one look at me had opened me up like a book. This would become her literal party trick, and she would hold court in kitchens around Manchester, guessing complete strangers' lives simply through observing their stance, clothes, and on one instance, the type of gum they chewed. She said she never really understood it, it was just a family trait. Her talent would also create an uncontrollable thirst for knowledge. She would devour books on neurolinguistic practices and meditation. She'd memorise compendiums and statistics and make notes on technical manuals. And whilst her grades flourished, she would struggle in areas such as English and history, believing that knowing who the nine wives of Henry VIII were and whether Shakespeare wrote Macbeth to be unnecessary to life. That was not to say she didn't appreciate the arts. She just didn't see the need to dissect them the same way you could a person. And then there was always the Jurassic Park conundrum. It could never happen, I interrupted, as SH's ramblings in the cafe turned to that Spielberg classic. You honestly don't know that, yeah? SH sighed, realising the conversation would go nowhere without my full cooperation. That is very narrow-minded of you. I laughed. Says the woman who failed basic science. Right, this sun nonsense. Before she could continue her hypothesis, her mobile vibrated on the table, signalling a text. As SH picked up and read it, I noticed a flash of annoyance in her face. It was so minute it could have been anything, but I knew my friend well enough. Um, I I've got to go, sorry, she said, packing up her stuff. Wait, where are you going? SH didn't respond, instead making her way out of the cafe like the devil was at her heels. Throwing some money on the table to pay our bill, I ran out after her and saw her hailing a taxi. I managed to sidle up next to her as one pulled up. SH, where are you going? I asked, blocking her entrance to the taxi. I just, what, oh, I've, I've got stuff that needs to be done. I'll catch you later, yeah? SH pushed me out of the way and got into the back of the cab. I followed her in. We're sure, mate, SH shouted at the cabbie before noticing I'd got in. What are you doing, John? I'm coming with you, I said like a petulant child. Whatever's going on, you can't shut me out. Nope, not happening. Are we going or what? The cabbie barked. SH scrutinised me with what seemed like an age before turning to the cabbie and murmuring a yes. She drew her attention back to me and sighed. Right, we're doing this, yeah? You and me? Is that what you want? She asked, not really wanting a response. Right then. Well, you best be on your best brave, aren't you? For what? I asked as the taxi lurched off. For who more like, she said. For my brother. So, SH has a long-lost brother. Did you know? John certainly didn't. I did, but then I wrote it, so I have an unfair advantage. Tune in next week when we get to meet SH's new sibling, Michael. The song you heard at the beginning and end of this podcast is Manchester, South Dakota by Happiness and Airplanes. If you liked what you heard today and want to skip ahead in the tale, you can do by buying a copy of the ebook, Miss Holmes from Amazon, Smashwords, or iTunes. If you'd like to email me, you can do so at missholmesmcr at gmail.com. Tell me what you think of the podcast, what your favourite Sherlock Holmes pastiche is, and maybe just share some recipes. They're always nice. You can also follow me on Twitter at missholmesmcr. Thanks for listening. I hope we can do this again sometime. And remember, you're all beautiful. <laughs>